You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. All right, welcome in. Brand new edition of the Winning Plays Podcast. My name is Brian Robb. Got a very special guest co-host today. He hasn't been on the, I don't think he's been on the pod this season yet, which is kind of a crime, which is my fault. But Brendan Jackson, formerly of Celtics Hub, is here. And BJax, we are at the halfway, nearly at the halfway point of the season. And I think... On Wednesday night against the Spurs, we're set to see the original Celtics starting five play their, I want you to guess, what what game, how many games has the original starting five been together this season? Oh, man. You know, I feel like I saw Ryan Bernadoni, good friend, uh, tweet about this recently. I want to say eight, eight games. You nailed it. Did it really? Be there? Oh, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. a guess. Wow. I was, oh, man. Coming out high. So, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, I do my homework, B. I it's do my true. homework. It's true. <laughs> um, so this is this will be the ninth. So the, the latest here is Jason Tatum out of protocols. Uh, went through practice on Tuesday. Should be good to go. Spurs games. Robert Williams also good to go after, you know, resting up, following his uh, first career triple double with a, a toe injury. And then outside of Romeo Langford and Aaron Neesmith, um, being question marks, it's going to be pretty close to a full slate of, um, of body here, bodies here, which the Celtics have not had in a game since December 13th, which they was probably one of their most impressive ones of the year against at home against the Bucks there. So I guess we'll start here, Jax, with, you know, we have, we're about a month out from the trade deadline here. We're about to see what we think is, we'll see if this will be our first sustained look at this group, uh, all healthy for at least a few weeks here. What are you, most looking for here we'll start with the starting group here like what are you most looking for in this group as they've come along because the numbers when they have played the other year have, have actually been pretty solid at least for those five yeah it's tough i feel like the first like the first couple of games or maybe the first five i mean there's only been eight so like it's hard to even remember when this happened during the season there's been so many weird ups and downs outs and ins but um yeah i mean i feel like those games happen like towards the beginning of the season where like you couldn't really glean a ton of, a, you know, ton of meaningful things. I mean, you know, it's Udoka's first year as coach, obviously he's had a really up and down uh, season. If you go by the texts, the texts, the in-game texts I send you, <laughs> he's probably the worst coach I've ever seen. No, I'm just kidding. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I, I'm, really looking forward to these next couple of games, next couple of weeks to really see what, what we have, 
what the Celtics have. I mean, they should be full sale. They should know exactly who they are. They should know exactly what type of offense they're running, what type of defense they're running. And right now, I don't know if it's the bodies coming in and out or um, just a lack of focus or COVID fatigue, but obviously Udoka loves to run a switching defensive scheme. And I still don't think any of the regulars know exactly when they're supposed to switch and when they're not supposed to switch. So if, if, I could just get two weeks of just like high effort, uh, high execution basketball, win or lose. I think I would take it. Yeah, that's certainly there's like you saw like blips of that, you know, in like from the 10 to 20 game mark of the season when they were like kind of healthy there. And obviously the, the miserable defensive start. And then you saw the season you playing. OK, maybe they're starting to figure this out and and also not do it like overkill like pull back a little bit with the bigs, but everyone else switch all the time. But then to your point, that totally has disappeared essentially for much of the last 20 games. And whether that's personnel based or like you said, the fatigue wise, it, it certainly isn't promising based on, you know, this is a team that was built to have that defensive consistency to, to keep them in games every night. And so now if, especially if you're going to play double bigs here and you're going to be starting two guys on top of Robert Williams that are shooting below 30% from three point range on the season in Marcus smart and Alpha for to this point, which we're at the mark now where we can, you can't say, Oh no, small sample size. No, this is, you have two horrific three point shooters so far this season. Like defense has to be on point right now to, I think to even consider keeping this group together, you know, for a, a meaningful Eastern conference run, you have to have showed the signs of it being like, okay, this, this team can, at least keep themselves in the game against everyone with their defense. It, it, you're exactly right. Cause they're definitely not coming back with their offense. Like we've shown <laughs> no. that instead, the, the, you know, we've seen them blow huge leads time and time again. I have a, a running gag with one of my buddies who uh, we sort of text to, sorry, I don't mean to out that I'm cheating on you with, with other oh, Celtics please. fans, but yeah, we, I, I have this other buddy we text in game and, Every single like third to fourth quarter when the Celtics are giving up a 10 point lead, like slowly, but surely we're just saying up another spirited loss is coming up. And it's just like, Oh God, it's like clockwork. So the whole point of this being, they're definitely not going to, uh, if they're down 10 down 15, I have no faith that they're actually going to close the gap, you know, and and come back and, and play well. Unless they're playing the Orlando Magic. Um, but that's the thing. I, I like literally that game does not count. <laughs> I'm not even I'm not trying to be super pest- pessimistic, but like I saw that game and I was like, I, I just hope I, I will say, I think going on the optimism side, I do think that they learned a lot of good lessons from that game by the way they played the last like five minutes in overtime. It, like, I feel like they, they moved the ball. Well, they played incredibly hard despite being very tired. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, I just feel like, you know, they, they passed well. I mean, everyone was talking about that, like that behind the back pass from, from Jalen, but it was like the right play, right. You know, it wasn't even hot dog. And really, it was just like, you got, you know, the guy rushed him. He had an open pass and it was, it was great. It was a good momentum shift. So I was all about it. Exactly. I, I'm with you. And now, especially on a night when you have 50 and you're yeah. you probably <laughs> tempted to be like, oh, I can, I can finish over anyone right now. Like, no, I'm going to make the right play here. Oh, and, and he's always tempted to do that. It's oh, almost yeah. like he's regressed a little bit. Like I thought last year he, 
he's sort of, so when he first got in the league, he's like, I'm Jalen Brown. I'm the most athletic dude there is. I'm going to dunk on everyone. I'm going to LeBron people. And to be honest, I'm sure it worked a ton at Cal. I'm sure it worked every time in high school. And so I get it. Like I, when you're that athletic and you're that big and you're that strong, I, I absolutely get that. You just assume that you are going to dunk on everyone. But then when you get here, everyone's better and everyone's like, like even the worst big is, is solid. You know what I mean? And, and, and they were dominant somewhere. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Right. So I just feel like they're going to go straight up and especially this year, they're allowing much more contact, which is you, you would assume be very, you know, beneficial to a team like this, but we're not really seeing that play out. But anyway, I felt like, there were still a couple times he did during the Orlando game and he's been doing it a lot more this year. I, again, that could be partly because people have been out and he's like, felt like, Oh, I have to do this because no one else is there. And I'm hoping one of the lessons you learned from Orlando is that no, you don't, even though you got 50, like you got like a good team 50, you right. know, like everyone played well and you helped other people play well. And I just hope that was a lesson, a lesson learned. Yeah. I think he got 50 in the flow. And I mean, mm-hmm. they, needed, they needed all the 50. It wasn't like, oh, he's, he's forcing it. No, it was like it was an efficient 50 as opposed to, you know, the games against Minnesota and the Clippers where you could tell that he was forcing it. And even when he did try to make passes, like it was just horrific um, decision making or just, you know, bad passing in general. And his his assist numbers are down from last year, to your point. His assist rate is down from, you know, 16 percent to 14 percent. And his he's at an all time high turnover rate on top of that. So you know, people can say, you know, try to defend him, which I think is fair to agree that, you know, when he had 36 shot attempts and zero assist against the Clippers, like, yeah, that, that wasn't all his fault. There's a lot of guys that missed threes on kickouts, but at the same time, that doesn't mean he's been good with his passing. Right. Like it's not, doesn't mean like he's still <laughs> like the way you want him to progress and you're six on that front. So it's, that's, that's pretty far down the list of like disappointing parts of this year, but I think it's, it's on there and it, that's certainly, You'll see if that 50 point outing mixed in with some good playmaking down the stretch will be a potentially be a turning point for him as he gets more help coming back to the lineup here. No, totally. Cause it's also like you think about what type of play, if you wanted to like mirror him to someone else in, in their career, like what would you want Jalen Brown to be like? And it's like, you obviously want him to be like a Kawhi or a Jimmy Butler and I think, I feel like Jimmy more Jimmy Butler, but both those guys are better passers right now. And it's just then, then uh, Jalen Brown. And you're just like, man, if you could just, just add that to your game, like, it's just, you know, take what the defense gives you. Cause obviously they're going to, they're going to focus on you when you are the focus. So if you're able to clean that up a little bit and get people open shots and have those people actually knock them down <laughs> to your point, uh, it would go a long way to a stock. All right. So let's look at, I'll, I'll stay at the starting five here right now. Do you like this as you're starting? Is this like the best bet for this group right now in terms of, of winning games? Or would you, or would you like to see more shooting out there around Tatum and Brown for that purpose? And even if it obviously gives you some kind of drawback on the defensive end when you, when you make that switch. Yeah. So we're talking about smart Jalen Tatum, uh, Horford grant, no Horford and um, Williams. Is that right? Yeah. So I'm like, I, I would, yeah. I would assume you're moving Horford or Rob to, I, or might move Horford to the bench. You can, I can make it the case for moving Rob to the bench too and starting Horford and going small like that way. And then 
having Rob dominate second units, but it seems like they want to play Rob more than Al. So I can't see them doing really doing that. But, but I guess who is the power forward? Is it Grant? Cause it, are we I think starting? It's Grant. Yeah. Okay, good. Cause that's what I was thinking. Like if we're st- I, the way I see it is you, the first, the, the three wing players and smart, you know, then you know, three wing players, I guess, including smart are locked in and whether you're going to play power forward, you know, we're talking about positionless basketball, but like for the sake of argument, power forward center, Horford and Williams, I think it's Horford, Horford and Williams are the Williamses, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, it's weird. Like he still looks like the same player, but Horford has been pretty bad, at least, at least to the eye test. And I haven't like, you know, checked my work or anything, but he's just like, he's, he had an awesome block, which looked like, you know, Al Horford the other day. Um, but like, he's not shooting as well as he used to. He's not moving as well as he used to. And obviously he's, he's my age. He's our HB. So like, I mean, neither are we. <laughs> I mean, and to your point, so this is his December splits. He shot 41% from the field and Oof. 28% from three. And the, yeah. def- and the def- I mean, and I think in a related story, he played 32 minutes a night, which is, I think just too much, way too, too much. much. Yeah. And so how do you solve that problem? Like you, you don't start him. You bring him off the bench. And I mean, I don't, I think they're going to stick with this here, this lineup for now, because you've only seen it in eight games and the, the numbers are good in terms of, um, especially on the defensive end. So they want to get another, like Ime seems to be, you know, sold to it for, for that standpoint. But if they struggle at all this week, I think that has to be a quick switch or just even, even just to make the rotation smoother for the rest of the game. Like it, it might make a lot more sense. Okay. Yeah. Bring Horford off the bench and then you don't have to play, you know, freedom at all essentially right exactly i mean freedom i think we would all agree that freedom is the is the breaking case of emergency you right. need bulk you need six fouls you know i feel like he used to play well against people you know play well relatively right against like Embiid's and and bigger guys but i just haven't seen it this year i mean he's also been asked to do a lot more he was such an afterthought right he was such yeah. a he was added as such a break in case of emergency. And guess what? We, we, it was emergent. <laughs> the need was emergent. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I mean, that's the biggest bummer because behind those three guys, you know, they're not playing uh, Hernan Gomez. They're not, you know, they don't want to play freedom, but they are. And they're not playing. I don't even know. Do we even have another big? Who am I? Who I mean, am Jabari, I Jabari, Jabari Parker. But he's not a big, but like, he's not a big, he's, right? So that, that's, yeah. that's the only, I mean, oh, Bruno Fernando, like who's just right. Like, oh. oh, and they're not playing him either. And no. a bummer about that was I thought earlier in the season, and this is goes, this goes actually to the, the 10 day guys too. I feel so bad. Like you finally get a shot and then half the 10 day guys don't play uh, and half the 10 day and half the, like half of like the uh, guys who the regular bench guys that don't play like Broderick Thomas and stuff like that get, put in protocols anyway right. so it's like here's their big shot and they you know Broderick Thomas and like the one minute he played looked like he provided energy you know um and he didn't get a chance to showcase so that's an aside bummer um and and, and to your point on that like you look around a league and I know the Celtics had you know they have young guys they obviously want to play that and they had enough bodies for most of these games but a lot of teams have signed 10 day guys and they've had a big impact off a of bench randomly in a game. I mean, we, we saw Greg Monroe firsthand, but even like, you know, younger guys, guys with more potential than the Celtics sign a couple of those guys, like to like Pelly to your point. So it is when teams are struggling, it surprised me that Ime didn't give those guys at least like a sniff of some of those games when nothing was going right for the seats. 
Yeah, it was it was such a bummer, especially just from a fan perspective. Like the season's so been so terrible anyway. I have no idea how this team's five hundred, considering they're just they're just awful to watch <laughs> for most of it. And it's like it's like oh cool, like Joe Johnson came in the first game and was gonna like actually. It seemed like for the next ten days, this was just gonna be a fun house of mirrors. Like. Oh, let's see what happens. Kind of what Minnesota did to us, right? Like, right. there was no chance. I if going into that game. I know it was said a million times by a million different people, but I completely agree. I couldn't name like six people that they played. Like, I couldn't. And I like the college game. I couldn't even like pick them out of like a. Oh, is that guy on a random tournament team? No, I had no idea who these people were, and they were dropping like a million points on the seas. So. It was just very strange. And and I was waiting for that moment to happen for the Celtics and it didn't, which was a bummer. So I guess that goes back to our original conversation. What we started with, it's like, it's so important to nail the starting. I won't even say the starting rotation, but it's really the top seven guys. It's like, you know, the guy, you know, the, the guys we talked about, you know, whether it's, you know, Grant or William, Rob or Horford off the bench, but those six guys, plus like, Romeo and uh, I guess Richardson and, and, and Schroeder, like Schroeder. Like, I think that's the rotation. Like, I think there's no, I don't think there's, and and I think that hopefully these next couple of games will either solidify it or solidify. Like, this is just not, it's not going to cut it. And we need to cut bait on Schroeder on Richardson on, and anyone that has any sort of value. Right. And so, yeah, that's my, so out of the like, we know when they get healthy here that Richardson and Schroeder, obviously they're going to play as long as they're here, and it there'll be the degrees of how much they play. They'll they'll have each twenty minutes a night, and that could go up to thirty if either of them has it going on any certain night. But so beyond that, and we know Grant's going to play. So we talk we're going to talk about Bet Online, our winning play sponsored here. They have you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football continues its march through college bowl season and the NFL playoffs come up, but Ben online remains <laughs> your number one spot for sports action this season. You can head over there, use your mobile device, sign up today, receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use promo code CLNS 50 to receive that bonus for basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, and your favorite Vegas casino games. You can take advantage of all the amazing offers they have for the 2021 season Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. So don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available. Bet online where the game starts. Right now, if you're in Mayadoka, who or else are you playing out of the like Romeo Pritchard, Neesmith when he comes back group when they're healthy here? Like, do you want to see them? Do you want to see that group rotate? Do you want to see Eme pick one for now and then say sorry to the other two guys? Like, you know, I guess Pritchard's had his chance. Maybe he has earn something more here, but like where, what direction do you want to see email going with rotation um, on that front? So I get the argument that like consistency matters in the, in the NBA and like people love to know, like I'm part of the rotation and they sort of prepare mentally differently, even though like way back in the day, I remember Marquise Daniels had like an amazing game off the bench for the seas. And I asked him, I was like, how do you do that? Like you haven't played, you've been like DNPs, you know, CDs for like, I don't know the last eight games. And he just looked at me. He was like, dude, I'm a professional. 
This is what I do. <laughs> right. Like, it's not like he was like, I'm awesome. He was like, no, I'm just, you always have to be ready. I've been in this league for like 10 years. And so I was like, and that was cool. Cause I was like, Oh, yep. That's exactly right. Now all these guys are young, like Neesmith, Romeo, Pritchard. So I don't know if they are ready yet, but I, I, I still think that you have to go with the rotation. I'm a big rotation matchups guy. Um, so g- going against what I said earlier that I, th- what I, I think they're going to do is I think their email is going to settle on someone. I think it's going to be Romeo and that's going to be it, but I think they should be giving Neesmith time and they should be giving Pritchard time depending on what the other team has, what the other team does. Yeah, I agree. I think there are certain teams you face where it makes more sense to have Pritchard out there for the shooting. Or if you need just like some energy, like Neesmith's a good guy for that, just to, you know, to mix it up um, from that standpoint, from a defensive basis. And Romeo, it's, it's like, I was, I mean, Ryan and I talked about Romeo a lot and, you know, we pretty much buried him last week. And then he came back and like played the game of his life against the Suns. Um, but he's still, I mean, offensively there, it's, he's, it's still trick or treat. You can see the strides, but it's almost like on a team like this, when you, when like Richardson and Schroeder, your other guys come out of the bench, it's like, ah, that's like, you almost would rather, you need like, this isn't the right version of Romeo to have when you, like, when you're surrounded by these type of guys on the bench. But at the same time, he's clearly the guy that Ime Odoka trusts the most out of that bunch so far. Well, and I think he, I think it's almost like a self fulfilling prophecy too. He wants Romeo to be good. He wants yeah. to trust Romeo. Cause like, if you think about it, Romeo is a worse Josh Richardson and Josh yeah. Richardson has not been that great in the last three years, you know? And so it's like, it's, it's too bad because you would hope that a guy like Romeo would be sort of an ascendant player, but I think he came at, you know, he was one and done in Indiana. I believe he was one and done. in Indiana. Yeah, he was. Yeah. And he was a very highly touted high school player. And then he was injured for like a year and a half. And he seemed a little young. He seemed a little young, unfocused. Like, you know, I don't know. I, I, I haven't been in the locker room, but this is just like literally trying to read his body language, which is also terrible because like, I don't know the guy. So, you know, one person's body language that is giving me vibes that he su- he's not taking it seriously. He might be taking it very seriously. I don't know. So all those caveats aside, I just feel like he got, he got off, like he was already behind the eight ball to begin with. And now he's finally getting his chance. And all he's showing us is that he's pretty inconsistent. And then he's been in and out with injuries still. So I feel for the kid. I want him to be good because I think he's got, if you were like, and Ryan says this all the time, if you're like three inches taller, it would be no question. But the, the truth is he's like six, four. Right. And so with amazing hops, right. He can block shots and he can, he is such a, he's such a quick leaper. I've noticed, and he's long. So like, I've noticed he'll be like under the basket and I'll be like, oh, he'll just lay it up. And he's like, no, he's dunking it like drop step dunking it. And I'm like, Grant Williams can't do that. <laughs> like, and it's just, it's, it's very, it's very funny, but, um, but yeah, like I, I want him to be really good. I think Ime wants him to be like that. He wants him to take the reins and say, yes, you are the, the next wing up after Richardson. And I don't think, I don't think he's ready for it. Like, I don't think he's shown consistently that he can do it, which is why Neesmith should get more burn as much as I think he's not ready yet either. But like, Let's it's it's whatever he's doing is not working consistently anyway. So like you might as well give people this time. And you look at a lot. I mean, 
Neesmith almost has the better track record looking back to last season than Romeo at this point, even though he's being, I mean, Romeo has been a year in the league a year longer, but Neesmith has, has actually done more in this league based totally. on like, what he did in those, you know, for the second half of last year, actually putting together, you know, a real, a couple of really solid months um, off the bench. I feel like. Yeah. I think the biggest difference is Neesmith last year wasn't asked to do a whole lot. He was asked to like, from my perspective, go out and play basketball, which is like the best thing you can say to like, especially a shooter. <laughs> Cause like when in doubt, man, just like jack it up. Right. Um, now he's asked to do a lot more. And I think his energy is, is in his focus is definitely up there. Like I, I think he's that is ready for it, but you can still see that he is not ready. Like people are, you know, still he sort of reminds me, I'm I'm like worried that he's the type of defensive player that looks like he would be a good defensive player, really active, but like, he's not effective, like a semi Ojalay or like um, uh, Evan Turner was famous. Like, Oh, he's so long. (laughs) Look, he's moving his arms a ton. And people are just like, no, I'm just going by you. I'm just scoring on you. And so I I still loved Evan Turner and I still want to love Neesmith, but I worry that like, just because he's active, just because he's athletic and just because he's willing, isn't going to translate into an actual good defender. Yeah. That was, it, was a, it was a pleasant surprise last year to see him <laughs> like, Oh yeah. Like, cause the, the, the sky report him out of the draft was, yeah, this is he's offense first and the defense has a long way to go. And then it ended up being last year. It was like, actually the defense for some reason looks better than the offense here, which isn't great, but it, like you'll take it for a rookie. And now year two, I think, there's been times where the defense kind of is coming back to earth and then you're still not making shots yet. So uh, it's, I mean, he's 23% from three. Um, he's only played 27 games. He's only taking three shots per game. So it's a, still a pretty small sample size there, but at the same time like that, you know, you obviously need that to be more consistent to be able to, to, to be able to get any kind of leash on a team that is desperately need a three point shooting. Like you're not, you can't afford to, to play through that when Marcus Martin, Al Horford are shooting 29% from the, from three, two. And those are the veterans. You know what I mean? It's one thing if you're, if you're young players and your rookies aren't progressing the way you want them to, and they're not like actually taking those rotations and becoming those veterans. But when you're veterans who in the past, I mean, Marcus has been up and down obviously, but Horford has been a pretty good consistent three point shooter, at least a threat. And they're both shooting very terribly lately. It's, it's a bummer, man. It's, I mean, right now, if you look at their three-point shooting, Grant Williams is at 44%. Guess who's next on the roster? Like, and I'm, um, I'm hanging out Japari Parker, too, because he hasn't shot enough for him to count. But guess who's their second-best three-point shooter on this roster right now? So, my percentage. oh, my God. I, I, I'm going to guess, like, like Schroeder, something random that you wouldn't expect. You're close. He's, he's fifth. Think, think another bench guy. I was going to say, is it Pritchard? No. Pritchard's no, it's fourth. Romeo. No. Who is this? Who is it? Can't Josh, be Pritchard's Josh name. Richardson. No way. 38.9%. Oh, I, from I refuse to believe that. He was such like a, a, a mid-range pull-up, you know. Right. I mean, he's not. Forever. That's definitely like a career high for him. Like he's not a, he's not that type. Like his career, he's career 36% from three. I literally guessed every other. Yeah, you literally guessed every other guy. The the right. So that, that shows you how much of a. You know, he's probably like two or three games where he just shot the lights out, but that, that's that's a problem because defenses defenses aren't going to respect that. Like they're not going to, you know, Jalen Brown and Jason Taylor are not getting extra space because Richardson is shooting thirty eight percent from three because 
teams aren't going to buy that. And, you know, Grant, even still, like, I think teams are starting to give him some more respect from three, but I think it's going to take him also a full year to, to really garner that if he can sustain this. And, you know, last year was pretty good for him from three, two. He just, everything else last game, everything else last year in the rest of his game was a big struggle. And he's come a long way on that front to become just a, a consistent bench contributor or even should be started right now. Well, a, a thousand percent, but doesn't he sort of remind you of like a PJ Tucker? Like, oh, yeah. even though Tucker was, you know, the lead, you know, what was it? The, the NBA leader in all, like all time history and like the right corner three or whatever it is, you know, you still want him to, sh- you still want him shooting because it takes the ball out of like Giannis's hands or Jimmy Butler's hands or whoever's hand, you know, hands that would have been on, you know what I mean? It's 100%, just, right. You're open yeah. for a reason. Exactly. So I think Grant will still be open because Tatum and Brown are on the team. Um, we just need other people to play. If it's like to shoot extra, as well as Grant Williams. It's the extra so it's crazy. Right. And the extra step away from the corner shooter, it goes away a little like that, that, that like he's always going to be open. It's just a matter of like, is there going to be three guys in the lane or like two and a half guys in the lane when, right. you know, someone when Brown or Tatum is making that drive. Um, all right. Where, Let's wrap on. Okay, we didn't talk about Pritchard at all. I want to know where you think he factors into this, and then we argue about this on text a lot in terms of the end of the bench right now. What do you want to see happen there, heading into like the trade deadline here? Because I'm, I'm of the mind that you got guys that I just think um, if you're Brad Stevens, you just want to just remove from the equation and to keep. So Emi Adoka is not even tempted to like throw them in when you have especially as this group gets back healthy again, the young guys aren't getting enough run as is. You're absolutely talking about freedom. Yes. <laughs> Not even tempted to throw in. Um, and yeah, and Macho. <laughs> yeah, well, but no, but he doesn't, he doesn't, that kid doesn't play. Like that was such cool. a bummer, man. As much as like, as much as they've shown that they really can't play, I, at least in the beginning of the season, I really wanted to see like if they could actually play Fernando and Wancho and, and they, they can't, you know, and I, right. I really want them to. I, I wanted Fernando to come out and like, actually, he looks like a dude that could defend the pick and roll, but he can't, you know, he's yeah. just, he can't, he doesn't move. Laterally. He can in summer league, but not, not yeah. in the <laughs> he should, he should be a defensive end. He would terrorize people. Um, but anyway, um, uh, let me take the, the second half first, and then we'll talk about Pritchard. Cause I, I have definitely some thoughts on Pritchard, but my, the stuff you and I argue about all the time is what, what is the point of getting rid of Rand, the people that have been with you to get people that you're not going to play anyway, or are not going to be better than what you have. So I guess I, I always, I always go back to that. Like not, not every trade you have to win or, or at least not every trade you have to win right now. Like, is there anyone that maybe even could, you could, you just want to get a look at, you know, um, the the only thing I can think of is like uh, I don't I don't even know if he's playing right now because they're they're playing well like and they have other wings but like is, is a guy like Kyle Anderson still available does he fit in anywhere you know what I mean and and if you can't get a guy who makes like I think he makes like ten million or something a guy like that you can't package a bunch of back end you know smaller salaries for a guy that a veteran that maybe could give you something sort of like what Gerald green did a few years ago. And Brad was like forced to throw him in the starting lineup in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Like if you can't get a guy like that, then I just, or or on the flip side, a young guy that people have given up on like, uh, 
like, you know, coming back, he's not even in the league, but like a guy like Romeo, um, not Romeo, God, um, what's his name? Jerome Robinson. Sorry, BC. You know what I mean? Our alma mater there. Like, obviously he, he didn't make it, but a few years ago when he wasn't playing at Washington, when he wasn't playing for the Clippers, could you get a, f- a former first round pick and just get a look in practice or in, you know, end of games or something to see if you want to maybe keep him for next year or going abroad or going along. Like, if you, if neither of those are an option, which I can't see one, then I don't, I don't see the point. I mean, do you agree or disagree? Yeah, no, I, I agree from a, you know, you have to have a solution to, to get rid of them. I, I guess I'm of the mind. I mean, for Wacho, he makes enough money. If, I mean, if I'll be, I'll be very curious to see how the Celtics ownership handles the luxury tax this year for mm-hmm. uh, like a 500 team since they are in it right now. And they have also the a TPE that they could, in theory, take on more salary. I'd be shocked if they do for this season, uh, as the way things stand. But I mean, Wancho, to me, I just think you want an extra, you want a roster spot open to like just to have the ability to bring someone in to fill a need as as the year goes on, or even just to like facilitate a trade and get something out of it. You know, even you know, bringing a guy just uh because someone's looking to dump salary and then you maybe get an extra asset out of it, you know, just have that option on the table when the trade deadline comes around. And so whether you can find a way for I me, mean, none of these guys on the roster have any value for the Celtics. So it's like, you just have to be in the right place at the right time to be able to facilitate, but they have trade exceptions. They have things they can get creative with for the front office. And so I just would hate, even if they don't want to do anything to mix up, the, the regular rotation, like to not even mix up the back end of the bench, which is giving you absolutely nothing this year would be, I think, foolish when you have, you could do something creative with it. Yeah. I mean, even like literally, even if they wanted to get like veteran guys that aren't going to play that are like great for the locker room, like right. last year's Jared Dudley, you know, if you want to get rid of guys and, and get new guys that like aren't going to play, can't play, but are good for your, your locker room, and I don't think they have that now. I mean, I'm not saying these are bad guys, but I would never say like Jabari Parker is a good locker room guy, like a Jared Dudley or, or Enos Freedom, like is a good locker room guy. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but like, you know, I would want like, if, if, we're, if you're going to bring on, especially in a salary dump, which I'll be honest with you, there's no way they're going into a tax or Peter tax for for a salary dump like that. I can't, well, they're in the tax right now. It's a matter of like, if right. they're going to try to trade these guys to just even get out of it, like trade right, right. Schroeder or Richardson or whatever, just to, to dodge that penalty in the first place. They probably should, because again, what if they're good next year? Right. Then, then they've wasted this year and they were in the tax. And if they're good next year, then they're, I guess if they're good, who cares about being a repeat right. team? That's I don't know. They've avoided the tax for a while now. So if they're, the repeater tax isn't going to be an issue for a few years. So if they're out of the taxes here, it's simply because like ownership doesn't, you know, it's the pandemic and they've lost money and they don't want to spend more money on a mini year per team, which I get, but obviously is not good for a success standpoint. Right. And it's not our money. So like, yeah, it's, um, it's right very right. easy. Yeah. I'd much <laughs> rather spend Wick or Specs money than my money, but, um, but yeah, but if it, but again, I worry if it does affect what they can do in the future, because we are short sighted, on in a, in a COVID plague season where the team's not very good anyway, in an East that's better, you know, like, yeah, that's like, great. Yeah. Like you're, you're a game of being in the lottery right now. Like, yeah, exactly. And the Hawks are right. Are a game and a half behind you. So it's like, there's, 
you're going to have to be legit over 500 to make sure you're in the playoffs. You can't just fool around here. Which is why everyone's messing around, like talking about trading one of the Jays or both, the, not both the Jays, but trading one of the Jays, you know? And I, I get why people are getting nutty like that, but like, it, I, I'm not saying that's the solution, but I'm just saying you have both the Jays, you have veterans and you have young players who you expected to be better and sort of hoped would be better. And you're still a 500 team that no one believes in. So it's like, you, you probably should take at least a little bit of look at that sort of con- roster construction and say, is this, is this really something we can build out of? Right. Um, but, and that's, anyway. the, like, that's what the next month leads to now. This is, this is it because you don't, and it, it might even only last three weeks here before, you know, trade deadlines, February 10th. Um, the Celtics have a favorable schedule for most of January, you know, December was a gauntlet. Now you have, um, your next five games, Spurs, Knicks twice, Pacers twice. Like it does, it's not going to get much more favorable than that the rest of the way. So this is, this is kind of it for them in terms of proving that. No, totally. But the, but I think what you said earlier was right. If they're going to quote unquote, blow it up, they're going to blow it up by getting rid of their veterans for something. Right. right. They're, they're going to try to get rid of Schroeder or Richardson or, you know, Horford or people that maybe teams trying to make a push, would find valuable and then you can offload salary too. You're definitely not trading a J in the middle of the season. Um, and you know, you're probably not even considering in the off season, unless someone gives you like a Godfather offer. Um, I know like, you know, the Twitter sphere, Twitter sphere is like talking about, you know, trading, you know, a Jalen Brown for a Ben Simmons. Like I personally think that's an absolute disaster. I think the Celtics learned that you don't trade, for a mercurial guy to be your, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're just not going to do it. They're not going to make the Kyrie mistake again. And I, and I get it. Like Kyrie was an amazing player. Ben Simmons is a really good player, but you're definitely not giving up what you gave up for, you know, you're definitely not giving up a guy like Jalen Brown for a guy like Ben Simmons. It's just not happening. No, even, um, even as for much as people tweet about it from nationally or whatever, it's just, yeah, I, there's no chance they go there. They just see two good players, right? They just see two good young players that, um, you know, and one of them's in an untenable situation and the other one's on a mediocre team that's under underperforming. They're like, oh, let's see if this works. No, it doesn't work. Like Ben Simmons would not make the Celtics better and Jalen Brown would undoubtedly make the Sixers better. And I'm not even saying that as a green teamer. It's just like Ben Simmons isn't playing, yes. <laughs> you know? So Pretty uh, simple there. And- yeah, exactly. So, and I'm pretty sure he'd only want to play for a team that he wants to go to. And I doubt it's the Celtics. So it's just like, you know, it's a, it's a total non-start. I'm not even getting into like the merits of the trade in terms of like, would, would he be good here? Would, you know, does it make sense from a basketball standpoint? It just it doesn't make sense for a million other reasons. So I don't even know why I brought it up, but it was pretty dumb. I'm happy to talk about Peyton Pritchard right now. though. Yeah. Right, let's wrap up Pritchard here. <laughs> So I'm a guy who loves Peyton Pritchard. I I will be honest with you. When we drafted him, my buddy went to Oregon. Uh, Dev, you know him. Uh, I literally texted him was like, this is a disaster. This guy's terrible. I can't believe we, we, you know, like, cause you know, that was the, the, wasn't that the same draft as like Desmond Bain and, and stuff. Yeah. Guys that like you really thought, and you know, Bain's proving it out that like you could really, get some value back there and you sort of reach for what I thought it was a second round pick at the time, all that stuff, right. Water under the bridge. 
I love him. I think he has the exact right temperament to play in the NBA. I think he's going to have a very long career. I think he's like a much, much, much better TJ McConnell. And I'm higher on TJ McConnell than like a lot of other people. Um, And I think he can shoot really well. I think he's just, he's an absolute dog. And I think once he gets like a little more seasoned, I think he definitely has a place on this team. Um, I'm sick. I will say I'm sick of like, these these six foot guards though like <laughs> we went from it to Kyrie to kemba and they're all like they're just all defensive liabilities even though he works so hard like he will you know he will try to push up on someone but like he just can't compete with a guy who's even six five and so like you know i'm just I, that's the only knock against him if we could just get rid of schroeder and Pritchard and anyone else who's like, as, as uh, I just saw um, Fred Van Vliet, like absolutely destroy the Spurs tonight. But still, like, I just, I'm just so out. I'm so, I've been burned, been burned so hard by six foot guards, B. Right. I mean, there, used to, there needs to be alternatives in place on the roster, which, you know, Romeo Lankford should be that in theory. Um, right. If he, if he develops as he should. But yeah, like, I, as you said, there, Pritchard, is I mean we saw it when they tried to play him, you know, like uh, to start these games with an inferior supporting cast. Like if you have four great defenders around him, you can get away with playing Pritchard. If you don't, then things then you're going to get beat by a bunch of G League guys on the on the team. <laughs> oh, seriously, <laughs> I mean you've you've stood next to him. How, he's I think he's listed at like six one. Is he legitimately six one or is he? Yeah, sure. like probably six. I give like six flat. Yeah, um, yeah, but that's. But yeah, if again a great guy to have off the bench in the right situations. Um, but yeah, like, do you like the way he plays? Like, do you like his temper? Yeah, no, I think he, yeah, I, I think I'm with you in terms of like he's he does he has good instincts. He isn't afraid, and in like you ride him, he's a kind of guy like yeah, you ride him on the right night and you get 20, 25 minutes out of him if he's got the three going. But then you don't want to be in a spot where he doesn't have it going, and you're like the Clippers game was a perfect example of that where. He just didn't have it offensively. And then, you know, he's he's obviously going to hurt you a lot of times defensively, whether despite him trying hard. And so you just have to not be in a situation where and that's for a late first round pick. That's fine to be a good bench player. That's that's a a good expectation. But to you want to make sure you are in a spot where he wasn't the only point guard in the roster available. And that certainly was the case for at least a couple of those games. And that that came back to bite. I'm sure every fan base feels this way, but I feel like the Celtics have been especially burned by guys they could have, should have drafted late in the first round, like Desmond Bain, like Jimmy Butler, you know, drafting Juwan Johnson instead of Jimmy Butler. And I think there was one other guy who, uh, who turned out to be like really good that year. And it's just like, see, and, and it also seemed like such a no brainer. I mean, the Celtics right. needed shooting. And obviously they, 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 they wanted Neesmith over Bain, but they needed shooting and they still need shooting. <laughs> you know, it's just like, oh, it's such a bummer. And they did to move Ennis Cantor's $5 million contract, which wasn't to, in order to sign Tristan Thompson. Which but this is well, exactly a disaster. <laughs> and and the thing is, that's why you that's why I go back to the conversation we had about like, well, we won't have to worry about the repeater for a few years. It's like, well, if we make all these short-sighted deals, this is what happens. You know, we have to trade a good pick who turns out to be a good player for, so we can dump Enos, Enos Freedom's contract, you know? Oh, it's, it's, 
Again, uh, well, I'll be a podcast for another day going, refashing those <laughs> the last two options. You bring, no, you bring Ryan to that podcast. Yeah, Ryan. Yeah, he's, we'll, he's got all the all, receipts, man. We'll have all of us. Yeah, we'll, we'll, that'll be an off season for the three of us to do it together. But perfect. I'm in there. The, but in the meantime, Brennan Jackson, make sure you're following him on Twitter at Jack SOBD, best BCID out there. I, I was um, wondering if you knew that. Yeah, oh yeah that, was my, that was my student ID. <laughs> Uh, you can email him to at bc.edu if you want. Um, <laughs> but Jax, always a pleasure to have you on. You'll be obviously um, on plenty of times over the rest of the year as we joining our regular slate of of co-hosts here as we wander through uh, what should be a, a pretty interesting second half of the season, one way or another here. But um, in the meantime, rate, review, subscribe to the Winning Plays Pod. Again, make sure you're following. BJAX, if you aren't already, and we will talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening.